Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, and it's December 6, 2020. Thank you for tuning in to Tanya Talks, Views and News, and uh, we'll be Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Tuesday evening, but we're still telling a story tonight, because this very special guest, or Tina Gertz, is hosting with me tonight as well, but this very special guest that we're having on for a little series uh, Stephanie Avery is not available on Tuesday nights. So let me tell you something. If I could do like, like triple back bend, you know, all those things that gymnastics do, I would do it if I could. But she didn't make me do it. And um, and I, But I would do anything to get this amazing human being on with us all tonight. We're on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 FM KLRB Lighthouse Christian Radio. So you might hear a little hum in the background right now. That's because the hum is the wheels to the pavement. I'm about 15 minutes from my destination, so I'll do my best to keep my noise down, but still let's get the show going. As well, be able to settle in and uh, get to my paperwork and ask more uh, specific pointed questions because I did a lot of research, and, and we talked a lot, Tina and Stephanie and myself. We, we spoke an awful lot um, as last evening. Oh, my goodness, it was last, it was last night. And, um, and we were like, yeah, right, Tina? Hi, Tina. And it was like, well, we really don't want to wait. We don't want to wait to get Stephanie on. Because she has just come out of prison after eight and a half or nine years. And what I'll be able to do is turn this over to you two in just a few minutes so that, you know, I can get myself all settled in and, and you know, not make too much noise um, and start start telling this story. We can do a little Tarantino style. I kind of like doing that. but um, <laughs> But she's fresh out of prison eight and a half years um and it's a very very difficult heart-wrenching situation but um that's going to be up to her whether she shares that with you or not why she was there but when she came out her mission has been and she'll be able to speak for herself of course to I will talk to anybody and let everybody know what's really going on in there. And, you know, during that talk, because um, we had you know, we had to uh, hang up and then call back and, and speak with each other, and we were just going to catch up later, but it was just, you know, so, so Stephanie and I wound up talking like another hour last night, and it's like, how, 
I could have actually stayed up all night and spoke with her if I could have stayed up all night. Hey, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I'm not of that age anymore, I suppose. Um, But it was um, absolutely just like the most beautiful conversations, bittersweet, you know, heart-wrenching. But, you know, the way that she speaks is like, you know, she's talking about the good correctional officers, the people that, treated people well. So she does not dismiss that. But she's also able, willing, and ready to share about the conditions and, um, you know, the unhealthy conditions that are actually, you know, very much Eighth Amendment challenges. And I'll have all my paperwork in front of me in a little bit. Um, And... And although it is very hard to uh, reach the prongs and so much on, oh, see, now you hear me getting my, my instructions, right? So um, <laughs> uh, um, it's hard to meet those prongs, and some of it I really see is very much up to discretion of the court. But some I see where it can't be. And, you know, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that more. Um, neither Tanya Hathaway, myself, Marty Oakley, Stephen Burke, Tina Gert can be held professionally. Okay. Spalding Turnpike. Okay. Sorry about that. I just need the directions. Okay. We can't be held liable for any error of content uh, or um, you know, misinformation, but that being said, that being said, uh, I'm open to hearing if anything was misstated, and please challenge me. And if it's wrong, I'll correct it. Injustice in Oklahoma at gmail.com. Okay, Tina, I'm going to mute this a little bit, so I'm going to ask you and Stephanie to talk a little bit. Now, you know me, I'll jump back in, but I'm not going to do this to our audience. Uh, right now and then interrupt the show this way. Um, okay. So, Tina, Stephanie, why don't you get this started, and I'll be, you know, I'll be very quiet. I'm going to mute myself, or um, or Marty, you want to mute me for a few minutes, and I'll message you, and then uh, and then I'll be back on. Yes, I can. I just got to check. I don't have Thank Stephanie. You. I don't. I don't want to, you know, be unprofessional here. Stephanie. I don't have on. Stephanie. Yeah. So, okay, it will be yeah. a <laughs> one-sided show today. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to jump on Tanya and knock her out. Uh, yeah. A lot is com- coming out about these prisons Tuesday night um, this week. I have, am uh, using that night to have DJ Vodica on, and he was with the uh, prisons in California. And more than a 20-year career, and he wrote a book called The Green Wall, and oh. it was about the guards forming their own gang, and what, do I owe you? what all they did. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it was about the guards forming their own gang, and um, how they abused the prisoners and did all kinds of things, and when he... Filed a report, went up the chain of command, filed reports, 
they outed him, and it ended up in front of a Senate committee hearing, then in court, where he prevailed. But he lost his marriage. He lives in hiding. Um, they're still trying to retaliate against him, um, oh. and this still goes on. And then we have another uh, gentleman coming out of Arizona about the guards there talking about the corruption in the prison from the warden on down. So we've got a lot coming up on this show has opened up a lot <coughs> on Good. what's going on. Tanya is supposed to be on co-hosting with me Tuesday night. And then I'm hoping she'll get DJ over here on this show. Mm-hmm. But this seems to have opened a can of worms and um, it's coming Whoa, in from all over the country. Open. Yeah. Yeah. But what this man, this DJ Vodica, what he what he endured and still does, is just incredible. And it, behind the investigation and the Senate committee hearing, people were resigning. They were let go. Um, you know all of that. But he can't go back to work. You know this is what this man does, and he cannot go back to work anywhere because they will turn on him. And right. uh, tear him up. So well, you I, know, and, I've known, uh, I've known yeah. um, a guard, one specific guard in Oklahoma, who begged me not to speak out. She was afraid of uh, what they would do to me and my husband, who's in prison. Um, but uh-huh. She flat out said that they'll <laughs> turn on him, and he'll end up having to do more time or worse. Um, she actually left the state because she was afraid for her own life. And unfortunately she won't come forward and speak, but she told me, oh my goodness, the stories she told me that this was when I was first getting into advocating and I was dumbfounded because I had, I had no clue, you know, so when she was telling me about how they treated these people and let them just lay there and die on purpose (laughs) and abuse them. And I I was in shock. So it's awesome that you've got people willing to speak out. Yeah. Well, this DJ just put everything on the line. I mean, everything. And he paid Mm -hmm. for it dearly. But like I say, in the end, he prevailed, uh, if you can think of it that way. Um, he just, boy, what that man went through. And he said on the job, you know, they would pass by him and make remarks under their breath. And then they had actually developed a gang sign. And everything was uh, like these papers they were supposed to sign. The pen there for them to sign with was green, which is against rules. It's supposed to be black ink. Mm-hmm. And but it was a signif- to signify the green wall, the gang, the three green wall, and their code of silence. And uh, yeah. Jackie Spears, that one representative, that she boy, she's right in there behind whistleblowers, and she said, "What you mean is the code of cowards." And um, right. but in speaking to him, he talked about the abuse, um, how bad the abuse was of the prisoners. And I read today that it's estimated. That 70%, up to 70% of all the people in prison across this country, and right now there are 2.3 million 
people in prison. We have more people in prison than the next three countries combined. Mm-hmm. That at least 70% of them have not committed the crime or didn't commit one that would require prison. But see, they're selling them into that prison system <clears throat> because the state has to guarantee to keep so many beds full, they have to keep them at a certain capacity in order for right. their contract with the private prison system to to uh, be, you know, to stay in effect. <laughs> and I'm telling you the how private corporations got into the prison business, that's the business of the state and federal government, not corporations. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, uh, Tina, here some years ago, uh, the Maytag that made washer and dryers, was it right. Maytag? World, I can't remember which one. I think it's Maytag. was made in Newton, Iowa and employed a lot of people. And all of a sudden they shut down and now those washer and dryers are made in prisons. And those people make a quarter an hour. Um, everybody makes out like a bandit, but mm-hmm. they're forced to work. And a lot of corporations force them to work on uh, phone banks or, you know, filling orders for different things. I mean, they can do a, a multitude of tasks on the computer. And they, like I say, make 20 cents an hour, 25 cents an hour. And it basically is slave labor. And, um, but, you know, it's just, um, well, Donald Rumsfeld in 2003 changed the DOD regulations and said that it was all right, even in the private sector, to use prisoners as forced labor because they don't have any rights anyway. And, you um, know, I'm all for making them work. Uh, I, I think it's fine that they work. You know what I yeah. mean? But to not make even half the money that they would have to uh-huh. pay somebody. I mean, they have, in Oklahoma, they get like $11 a month to live off of. And they have to oh, wow. buy their buy their own shampoo, um, yep. toilet paper. We have to, the loved ones have to send them in clothing and socks and, and things like that. Shoes, it, yep. It's not what people think. People were mm-hmm. taught, just like I was, everybody was taught, you get three square meals a day, everything is provided to you, you get health care. Well, they have to pay for their health care and out of that $11 a month, and they have to pay yes. for their prescriptions out of that $11 a month. And mm-hmm. the quality of health care is a joke. You have to put in a yeah. doctor's slip, and you're lucky if you don't die or get better before you're seen. So it's not it's not the quality that everybody thinks that it is. And, in, if I, day, and everybody, it, you're... Go ahead, Tina. It's it's hurting. It's if you think about how you would want somebody to come out of prison, and you want them to be right. a productive member of society, but they're not setting them up for that at all. They right. are distorting no. their minds, and it, among other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's horrible. 
And I don't understand how in the land of the free <laughs> we have the highest incarceration rate in the world. Yes. We are free. Yes, we and are that's free. No. And since they they were adjudicated, um, they become basically wards of the state, meaning they suffered a civil death. And they are stripped mm-hmm. of all their rights and of actually their identity. That's why they're assigned that big, long number. And um, But in under the law, they are a dead man talking. Um, mm-hmm. They are considered dead. It's a civil death. But I'll tell you a story I know firsthand because it was to someone close to me in Georgia, got in trouble, and they sent him to a prison, and somebody found out he ran heavy equipment. So they moved him to a work camp. He worked seven days a week, sun up to sundown. And he got $20 a week for that. When he got out, the IRS came after him, said he owed taxes on those wages. And it turned out that the camp commander, who was a private contractor, had filed a fraudulent W-2, signed his name, (coughs) had collected from the state full wages, gave him $20 out of it, and pocketed the rest of the money, made Mm -hmm. a fortune off of him. And so I helped him go to the IRS, and eventually I called the camp, and it took me several phone calls. Finally got this guy on the phone, and I said, here's how this is going to go down. You're going to pay all these taxes, and you're going to admit you filed a fraudulent W-2, and that you signed it. He didn't. And I said, and if in lieu of that, I said, we're going to file formal charges against you with the IRS for fraud, theft, and embezzlement. So I said, it's just up to you what you want to do. I'll give you 24 hours to satisfy this tax bill. And I hung up. And he apparently called the IRS and found out I was very adamant about what I was saying, that I was correct in what I could do. And he settled up with them. But they did that to hundreds of prisoners. The guy was making money hand over fist. And then I know like in states, I think it's like um, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. I think all three of those states, and I might be wrong there, but I think it's all three. The prison warden, if he's allotted so much money for food, if Mm -hmm. he can save money, he can put the excess in his pocket. Right. (laughs) And they talked about... um, truckloads of corn dogs that were spoiled being delivered and given to those men to eat. That's all they had. And the warden had a brand new Cadillac and a new oh. house and several and it was all made the whole system is so twisted and corrupt that it's absolutely unbelievable that it, it continues on. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Okay, she said it'll be about seven minutes before she's on here. But this stuff goes on all across the country. And in all of these prisons, this isn't the like the one I talked about in California with DJ. This is not an isolated incident. This is going on all over the country, and they are putting people in prison they know damn well are not guilty. We've got prosecutors mm. who fabricate cases and evidence 
and judges who go right along with it, and the the money wheel starts turning. And oh, yeah. I, for the life of me, how low do you have to be in the human chain to buy and sell other human beings? This is slavery. It's no less than slavery. Mm-hmm. Just because we're not putting them on the auction block doesn't mean it isn't slavery. But there again, 68% of all the inmates are black. Go figure it mm-hmm. And this isn't an accident. Right. <laughs> this is this is not, you know, it's the easiest pickings. They but it's just want to um, keep. Go ahead. They want to keep the lowest income people going back in, so that they. I mean, if yep. if you pick low income, they can't fight the state who has right. way more money, and and that's what yep. they do. Yep. And it just, well, then, uh, Tom, you just brought up here too in a text. Uh, the contraband, this was something else that my contact told me that was in that work camp. He said, You want drugs in prison? Get them from the guards. Yeah. He said, You try to sell them yourself, they'll kill you. He said, They bring in all kinds of uh, prohibited material. Oh, and yeah. then he talked about them. Yeah. Uh, beating up a inmate, five or six of them jumping on an inmate, beating him half to death, and then throwing down weapons that supposedly they found on him or that he attacked them with, but it's stuff they brought in and threw down and then said we had no choice. But, you know, we were fearful for, if I hear that fearful for my life, if you're that damn scared, you got the wrong job. Uh, I'm sorry, but that has worn thin. They've got to have body cameras. They've got to have yeah. the the guards wear body cameras with audio so they can see what's going yes. on, so they can hear what's going on. None of this putting well, GPS on the inmate thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. And th- there is no reason that there, that whole place shouldn't be under video surveillance at all times. Oh, yeah. Um, there you've got a toxic. One camera. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a toxic situation, and you've got a lot of people who are violent in one place, and you've got guards mm-hmm. many times who are worse than the inmates. Right. And uh, I think that is actually a terrifying thought to think that the people that are supposed to be keeping peace and order and um, all of that, this I think our other guest, who was it that was coming on with you, Stephanie? Stephanie. Is that her? Was that the name? Was it? Yes, I think yes, it is. Hold on. Stephanie? No, it's Angie. Hi, Angie. Angie, okay. Did you have yeah. something you wanted to add, Angie? Well, I'm Angie with Fighting Your Fight. Um, Jen Kidder and I were supposed to call. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Tanya's been delayed. She'll be on in just a few minutes. So we're so basically we'll just, just talking right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said to take the incoming calls. Okay, that's you. And that's the only one I got, Tanya. Um, okay. And, yeah, but we were... We were Pardon? Jen Kidder is the founder of Fighting Your Fight for Offenders and Families. Okay. He's going to be calling in also. And I think that might be her right there. Okay, Hi. great. 
Hello. Hold on a second here. Let me get her queued up. Hello. Who do we Hello? have here? This Hello? is Jen Kidder. Okay. Hi, hi. Jen. We're running a little delay Hello. here. Uh, Tanya will be on with us in just a few minutes. Tina and I were talking. Um, Tina, you want to go ahead and pick this up? Uh, sure. Thank you. Hi, I'm mm-hmm. Tina. Um, <laughs> can you guys introduce yourselves again? My name is Jen Kidder. Um, I am the founder of Fighting Your Fight for Offenders and Families. I'm Angie. I'm a co-founder and I'm an advocate and the fighter against the wrongdoings in prison and the craziness. Jen's our leader. Thank you all for calling in. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry, Tani's not on here yet. Um. So can you tell us a little bit about your um, foundation? Sure. Um, Angie and I started this organization. Um, Actually, we've been doing this together for about eight months. Um, We actually branched out into our own organization back in September. Um, We started doing this. um, Angie and I both have a loved one that is incarcerated. Um, My husband's here in Ohio. Angie's loved one is not in Ohio. Um, But we started this due to the fact that COVID was a big deal, um, so that drew a lot of attention to what was going on, especially those suffering behind the walls without visitation. Um, But in the process of getting through to these um, facilities, finding out what we can do to help the offenders and possibly, you know, some staff to try to help fix some of the corrupt things that were going on, um, we've been informed of a lot of abuse situations that have been going on here in Ohio. Um, I would say roughly on an average Um, within 28 facilities right here in the state of Ohio. Um, We currently, Angie, um, myself, and we have another um, lady, her name is Amanda. Um, She does make calls with us um, in the organization. Um, We average probably, I would say, one to, I would say one to two new abuse cases every day. Um, We usually have three to five a week, roughly guessing, um, generally. Um, And it, yeah, and we have, and it's it's a lot to deal with just on the general idea of the fact that these offenders are afraid to speak to anyone because of the retaliation that does happen. Um, we have family members that are fearful to speak out because of the same reason. Um, we have a lot of the fact of here in Ohio, I can't speak about anywhere else, but I would only imagine that it's the same everywhere, um, the uneducation that the prison system leads these offenders and their families blindly. Um, I know Angie can probably tell you just as much as I can. We have probably over 400 members in our group and probably more than half, I would say a good three quarters of those people have no idea that they can even call and do wellness checks on their loved ones themselves. They have no idea that they're allowed to do that. Wow. You should be able to do that in every state. It should be your right to know how your loved one is doing. When you call the facility, I don't know how it is in all the other states, but like Jen said, Ohio, and you're going to get a lot of pushback. They're not going to want to do a wellness check when you call and ask, Mm -hmm. I want to check on the well-being of my loved one. They're going to say, a lot of times we're told, yep, you can call back tomorrow between 8 and 4 when the warden's in. Well, no, I want to know now. And ultimately what we do we don't take no for an answer because when we call for a wellness check, it's because a family member has called with a huge concern. If they continue to refuse, we let the, the COs know, then we're going to have to contact the state patrol. I haven't had to go that far yet. Jen has experienced with that. 
Um, and, and as Southley called the Ohio State Patrol and had them go to the prisons and visually lay eyes on the person that a wellness check is being done on. So never say, never take no. They wow, I didn't know. Will they employees? You pay tax Will dollars. they actually allow them? Will they actually allow them to come in and do that check? They cannot they stop a stop state it. trooper from right. entering a facility. The state trooper has authority over the prison system because they're state employees. The, the state troopers have authority inside that facility, and they can enter that facility while the warden is on their way. They are not allowed to stop them. It is illegal for them to permit them from entering because once they're there, it's oh, for wow. investigative purposes. It's for investigative purposes, right. and they are not allowed to be stopped. That's amazing. Wow. I had not do that, though. See, and a lot that? of people don't know that yeah. either. A lot of people don't know that either, and that's the, that's the key. Um, our organization is not only here to fight for the justice that they deserve, um, to stop the corruptness that goes on, but to educate everybody. I mean, I can't, like I said, I can't speak for every state, but Angie and I have spent relentless hours of, you know, research and learning things that we can tell you. And I know, um, and this sounds really silly and kind of off topic, but, you know, it played a key in an investigation that Angie and I had to do here recently. Um, I knew this from years back from being in medical school, but a coroner has more jurisdiction over any law enforcement person. They can arrest anybody and and have just calls for doing so. They are the highest ranking law enforcement official in any state is a coroner. And I didn't know that for the longest time. But a coroner can arrest any person that has a law enforcement degree, no matter what it is. Wow. The coroner can do this. Yes, ma'am. I'll be That's darned. interesting. Another good um, point to point yeah. out with the coroner is if you have a loved one that's incarcerated and they pass away while they're in prison, I don't care what kind of excuse that the institution tells you. You, can, you find out who that coroner's office is. You call them. They they don't have to do what you tell them or but but you could certainly advocate if you feel like foul play was done or you feel like it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't drugs or it was drugs or it was a beating call the coroner's office and beg them and tell them what you think it is they may or may not listen but how do you know unless you don't unless you try right yeah yeah gosh I didn't know any in of most, this I had no idea in most cases yeah, yeah in most cases if you reach out to a coroner. Um, because everybody, and I don't know, you know, I can't speak directly on any other state, but I know in the state of Ohio, um, if an offender passes away in a facility, they are immediately taken to the coroner's office, and they stay there pending an autopsy or whatever um, deems to be done. Um, But if a family member is to call and say, my loved one had been beaten, you know, a month or two prior to this incident, I don't feel that my loved one committed suicide or whatever the incident may have been, and you can request an autopsy. And if the coroner says, well, I'm glad you said that because I have suspicion of foul play just by looking, then they have something to go on. And I can tell you just speaking from here in Ohio on an experienced situation that we have dealt with, um, there has been an autopsy done because the coroner suspected foul play and it wasn't even requested by the family. He did it on his own. Oh, wow. Wow. Yep. God, I wish it was like that everywhere. I don't know that it isn't. Yeah. I know as far as the legal aspect, 
I know as far as the legal aspect, as far as the state patrol and the coroner, that is something that is in every state. That cannot change. But I don't know how okay. facil- or I don't know how facilities in every state how they operate. If they would tell you know, hey, you have to wait on the warden. If the state trooper is not really wanting to push the issue, if they don't think the wellness check is serious, they'll say, okay, we'll wait on the trooper. But they can demand to go inside while they are waiting on the warden. They don't have to wait. But you have to make them understand the severity of the situation in order to get them there. And I can tell you that when you call the investigation, every state highway patrol post has an investigator specifically for prison incidences that you can call them and tell them wow. that I have an abuse situation that's going on and they will tell you, hey, let me transfer you to the investigator. Every post has an investigator for that purpose, for the prison. Oh, wow. Now, I didn't know have any idea about that either. Is no. your, um, well, you guys are wealth of information. Examiner, is that person elected in your state or are they just appointed or do they apply for it? How does your I think they're just appointed. Okay. Well it'd be it would be good, you know, for me I we're five oh one C three, so we're nonprofit. We don't we don't do politics either way. Republican, Democrat, bipartisan, we don't care. It's what's right. So I feel that a lot of um, changes can be made and you can learn a lot by your local, your local legislation. So that could be your coroner. Our coroner gets elected, the medical examiner, um, or your judges. If you if you got two judges running in your county and one of them is for criminal justice reform, the other one is, hey, I want to put you in prison. You want to know what you're voting for, right? So you got to call out the person, not the party. Got to call out the person, not the party, when it comes to those right. things. Hi, um, I want to apologize to to everybody and, and to the listeners um, for that. I just I thought you know it was better off to um, not hear all that noise. Trying to get where I was going, so I'm just in the car, pulled over, and um, and I really appreciate you both calling in. Um, we spoke for some time uh, a few nights ago, didn't we? And yes, Tina, we did. yeah, and Tina, I. I I, I believe I brought um, these amazing warriors uh, up to you, and um, and I know Marty. I, I brought them up to you as well, um, and, and you know it's it's common ground. And you know what I what and the information that you share, so is is wonderful because I mean there are some things that are going better there than they are, you know, with Oklahomans, for instance, right? And then there are some things that are, like, worse with Oklahomans, although everything pretty much exists. But what I found very interesting is that through the use of those iPads that are supposedly being introduced into Oklahoma, uh, and we'll see, we'll just see how they navigate that, um, that you ladies are able to know who's making complaints, who's asking for medical, and there's no losing those complaints anymore. And there's no losing that paperwork anymore. So those things are actually traceable. It doesn't mean that they will be acted upon it, but you're finding out real time the best in any better way than what, you know, I've seen so far 
who's to be held accountable if they do not follow through? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, because what they're doing, yeah, because what they're doing with those um, with the tab tablets that they have, it's like their JPay. They can actually send those, and we have gotten some several times um, through the JPay as like an email or something. They've sent us the form so we can print them off and we have it. So we know if something's not being followed through, they can say, hey, I submitted a request to medical on this day. It's been seven days. I haven't heard anything. Then Angie and I send them the paperwork we need to follow up because every medical situation we have to have permission for. But what they also do, which is very helpful, is they put in a request to have those forms photocopied, and they actually mail us the hard copy also. So, right. So somebody has to give you their express permission to follow up. So you're getting a temporary POA in an essence. And, uh, right. Yeah, well, it's just um, yeah, well, it's just a no, medical not, uh, medical release right, medical type thing, release. and then we yeah, can have yeah, and then what they do is they give it to us, and they can do it for you know a week, a day. Um, we've had we have the opportunities where they can give it to us for an entire year, to where we can also be somebody outside of their power of attorney to be able to call and ask questions on their behalf. And Angie and I mm-hmm. have those, and we have mailed out several of those to some offenders that have really needed some serious medical attention. And in light of that, in the light of us sending one of those forms, we were able to get one of the offenders um, a CPAP machine that he had been waiting yes, seven months were. for. That he was, was amazing. He had been deemed, yeah, he had been deemed medically um, requiring a CPAP machine by um, the Department of Corrections medical staff, they sent him out and had a sleep study done. They determined that he needed the CPAP machine and still neglected him for seven months. When he reached he out to us, it took us, a, it took us about mm, maybe four or five weeks to, you know, fight for that. But we got him a CPAP machine, and this man had been asking every single day for it, and the answer that he kept getting was, it's on order. When we get it, you'll get it. Within four weeks, the man had one. Right, and and that's and that's huge. Yes, it was absolutely. And they and you know what? I don't know how um, how they if they have changed how they respond uh, to you. uh, If they are just like if they try to make it hard for you, or Hmm. um, or not, Um, you know, or they yeah yeah. And and you know something like uh, there are some that I speak with and. And I always go in with the approach that, hey, you know, like I'm assuming you might not know this. I, I, I think there's something that's, you know, uh, sliding by that you would want to know about. Trying to give the benefit of the doubt, you know. No, and, and I, you know what I mean? Give that opportunity for somebody to become an ally, whether you know they're a creep or not, right? And, you right. know, some will maintain that creep status. And then others will, you know, just appreciate how you talk to them. You, you know, That's hey, true. did you know this? Or, hey, did you know that? And and and, well, and, and you, know, you want to find those allies. The ODRC, you know, you got the Department of Corrections. Think about that. It's supposed to be rehabilitation and corrections. Yeah. Um, you, they already have that feeling of they know their corrections. Does that make sense? Um, so when I call. Yeah. I make sure I know what the policy is, what the administrative code is, what their policy is, and what the law is. So I don't go in. Kind and of they don't know. Half the time they don't know. Right. 
So I don't go in timid with, well, I'm not sure if you didn't know this or not. No, they know it. And if they don't, they should. They're, they're right. in care, control, and custody of our loved ones. They better know it. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't know it more than they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's my feeling there. Yeah, and for the most yep. part, we go in there very, very light-footed at first. But I can tell you, in most instances, me being the founder, I've stepped back from making a lot of the prison calls. That's been Angie and Amanda for a little while. I still have a few that I am dealing with. But when I know the family has been calling and I know Angie and Amanda have relentlessly tried to get somewhere and then I have to call. I can tell you that I have a very great relationship with every warden and assistant warden in these Mm -hmm. facilities, but they know when I call, it's not good. That I don't play games. I don't beautiful. And 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 it's like I come in and I have been told this by several wardens and it's hilarious because they always say well, we know when you call, it ain't good. And I said, well, what makes you say that? He said, because 90% of the time you're like a bull in a china shop. You don't take no for an answer because I've heard you tell people, I'll hold. He'll get off the phone eventually, he said, and I just kind of chuckle, and I just know you're going to wait, and I will. I will wait all day because I tell him all the time. I have nothing but time. My loved one's doing time, and that's my time too. So I'll wait. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, this is a mission here. And so, I, I, I mean, as we talked about, you know, if one person has the – is lucky enough, and I'm sorry, I am going to say that, is lucky enough to find the proper relief, okay? And by that, I mean, you know, com, com, commuted when they should be or, um, or a lesser sentence when they should be. Uh, pardoned mm-hmm. when they should be, or, uh, you know, when when that happens, okay, that really is the exception to the rule. I mean, why is it mm-hmm. such a huge, big, big deal every time we see there's a, a new person that has been found to be innocent? You know, you know? Yeah. it is a huge deal because that person has been found to be innocent and they have been behind bars for 20, 30, 40 years sometimes, right, maybe longer, mm-hmm. But you know that, and that justice is is beautiful and it's amazing. But we need to solve the problem as to why that is happening to to begin with, and and that's why you know not only do we need to uh, adhere to the rules that are in place, and if they're not uh, properly. Uh, put in the in writing then they need they need to be and they might need to be amended because there's a lot of things in writing that uh, that are supposedly their guidelines that are not true to the constitution to the prisoner's constitution so you know we've got that to deal with and then in then of course you know we've got to deal with the reform end of it i mean i don't know how it is there in, in ohio it sounds to me like they're a lot better with their sentences based on what we spoke about. But in Oklahoma, you, you, you know, it, it, there's no guidelines. It's like any meeny, miny, mo. you know, how do I feel today? You, you know, did I get in an argument with my wife or my husband or how many cars are in the parking lot? That's how many years you're going to do. Bailiff, how many cars are out there? Seriously. You, you know, it's, really I mean, seriously. That's oh, here in Ohio, too. It's, it's here, too. 
Okay. Okay, and and it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you can have a rapist, you know, go in and right out, and then you can have yeah. somebody yeah. that 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 had you you know like a tiny little baggie of weed that's in there for fifteen years. You know, I'm not condoning mm-hmm. anything that's illegal, but uh, you know what I mean. But I'm also saying, where what's wrong with this picture here? And they don't and, have this individually either. It would be hard, I know, because of so many crimes that are committed. But each case, times, and again, I'm not saying doing wrong is right, but sometimes we do wrong. And, you know, it, it had we been given a chance to think first or the heat of passion or, you know, there's mitigating circumstances sometimes. There's a reason why if, uh, I'll just use assault, you know, if somebody assaulted a stranger, um, you're not as apt to be so angry as if they assaulted your your loved one, and they, they but they did it out of because they were getting the crap beat out of them. You know they've been abused right. all their life, so they're just striking back. But the other guy right. just did it because he wanted his five dollars. There's there's it doesn't make it okay, but you have to. Everybody we're individuals. Why aren't the 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 sentences, they, they should be, we do have to have guidelines, but they don't follow them. You're right. No, they don't follow them. And then, like, we, like we in New York, them. for instance, uh, I, I mean, seriously, the, the reform there, supposedly, uh, all they did was was hand over, uh, you know, the, the, the streets to, to criminals. And you know what? Everybody's human. People make mistakes. So the, using that word criminals, okay, that is not meant to be, you know, there's all kinds of different people that do things wrong, okay? And and I think that's every one of us that have done something yeah. wrong, okay? It's how wrong, it's are we redeemable, it's, it's are we are we sorry, or did we try to make good? You can't make good on somebody you murdered, okay? So, you know, that's like another level of, of you know, punishment, obviously. And, um, you well, know, maybe but it's not about the crime, it's why you do your time. You know, the crime may not be as important, and I'm not trying to um, lessen that because, yes, there there's horrendous, horrendous, horrible things that happen in this world. Um, however, what have you done during that time to make yourself better to prepare yourself where you were at 17 18 19 or 20 is not where you are now you're not that person anymore i'm not that that 19 20 year old person anymore and and there are a lot of these people you know the the the, um the young lady that uh was going to come on tonight stephanie avery and i hope she's okay and she's been inundated since she's been out and she said hi i'm here to tell my story i mean there was somebody from new york that drove from New York to Oklahoma, and I know what that's like because I did it from New Hampshire to Oklahoma several times, and I flew several times, but once I went straight through 30 hours <laughs> because of an emergency. <laughs> wow. So, but, but it was worth it for this news reporter to, after she put out what she put out, say, I need to do this story. Okay, so she might just be absolutely exhausted um, or she might be tied up with something, and I just hope that she's okay, but you know, what, you know, Stephanie shared with us under the pain and penalty of perjury of law, by law, 
because um, uh, this is what we asked her, and this is what we're tending to ask people that you know we are interviewing and um, and putting and just as if they were doing an affidavit, okay, you, you know, so that we know if somebody's willing to say that they're telling the truth, you know, you you hope that they are, okay, you hope that they are, so um, that uh, you know, what she had to say was just. You know, we're talking about the abuse, just talking about the mental beatings, um, talking about the prison relationships between inmate and correctional officer uh, and between correctional officers and other staff members um, and between consensual and then non-consensual. And... Children, families, I'm those sorry? relationships, relationships, yes. how it affects the children and the families also. Yes. It's not mm-hmm. just the person inside the prison doing the time, just like Jen said. The family is going through that too. The family exactly. is going through that too. And it then raises, there's the family you know, of it's the victim. It's a, it's a 25%, I think is what the last statistic were, 25% chance, might be as high as 50 now, that if you, as a child, have an incarcerated loved one, that you yourself will be incarcerated. Because it becomes normal to you. Your, your dad was there, your mom was there, or someone you know was there, you, you went and visited. That's not something you're afraid of anymore. It's all you've ever known. So, yeah. Can I, can I say something? Incarcerated as children, that's what they think. Yeah. Well, they don't change their patterns because they're like, I was already there. I know what it's like. I can survive. I did it before, and I was just a kid when I did it. So they think they're stronger, and, you know, they feel invincible to an extent that they're going to be better off because of where they are. There's fathers and sons and mothers and daughters doing time side by side right now. Yeah, definitely are. And yeah, exactly it is amazing when you hear about it and you hear there's one, oh, yeah, and I did time too, or my, you know, so-and-so. It becomes, and Marty, what were you going to say? Well, I just had a question, you know, behind all of this. I keep thinking of the Central Park Five, those five young black yeah. boys, and they were boys um, yep. that were prosecuted, persecuted by a crooked prosecutor who made a ton of money off of them. Uh, they eventually got out and were all exonerated because the man who actually beat that woman up and killed her and raped her stepped forward and he was in prison and admitted and they matched Park. the DNA. It was his. Yes. Right. That's and, that movie that I was telling you about. You know, on and Netflix. I, it's called This Is Us. Amazing yeah, movie. When they see us now. When they see us now. And um, But, you yeah. know, to, to be those four young men and stand there and hear yourself pronounced guilty for something you had nothing to do with. And like I said in the opening of the show, they estimate now 70% of all the people in prison in this country, 2.3 million people in prison, 70% have not committed a crime of any kind and or did not commit a crime that would have warranted a prison sentence. Yeah, and how those people must well, because, feel... Because what yes. is the percentage, Marty, of plea deals? The majority of, of matters are pled out, okay? They're pled out. The prosecutor gets a bonus for that. Well, and to what that real. should tell you is that the, the law means nothing. If you can plea 
and they what they do, and I know this from my experience with my close friend there, what they do is say, if you don't take the plea, we're going to give you uh-huh. 25 years. If you take they the plea, you you'll get yes. you'll get the you'll, you'll you'll get capital punishment. You know, and that's yeah. not that, and, and that so, wouldn't have even been the proper charge in sentencing if they were to be found guilty. Right. And then there's and exactly. then there's a, so and this, this is what ticks me off because the lawyers are making tons of money off of this too. And Every three years they're getting the them ready for commutation. Did. It's an annuity. It's a freaking annuity. It's like, look, if you're going to get in there and defend somebody. Then you do it supposed to in trouble right. is the so one sitting there thinking there to begin with. It's yeah, it's and ridiculous. That's the part because the person that's on trial is the one sitting there saying, Okay, if you take this plea deal this plea deal to ten years, this is the best that I can offer you. If you take it to trial, you're gonna get twenty five to thirty and they're thinking, Well, I can do ten, I don't want to do thirty. They're scared. So they take it because and, they feel they have no other choice. And it happens to a lot of young people, and pa- and the parents are scared to death. So they're like, "Oh my God, take it, take it," because they don't know better. They're not seasoned with their stuff. Be, and a lot it's of like, times, and a lot of times, they're single parents, and they don't have the money to pay a good attorney. They have a public defender, and the public defender could care less. They're getting paid so the regardless of what happens paid by the to same you. place that the judges and the prosecutor is. They, you know, Absolutely. they have coffee together. They predetermine the cases. You know, and then you know, it's it is just. It's a it's a mess, and you know what? This is not about every prosecutor. It's not about every judge. I mean, I want our mm. listeners to know this. You know, it really it, no, it it's isn't. not. I said this before. No, I'll say it again. Really. My brother's been a district attorney for thirty five plus what? years in New Hampshire, and he's a damn good one. If I don't agree with him, you know, or or if I scratch my head about something, he shows me or he tells me, "Tony, go check this out," and I go do it. You know, it's like ah. You know, you don't like it. You don't like the law. Then, you, then you know, then you rally for a change, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And and uh, you know, I. Um, but it, but it's the reform that's really important. You have to have somebody that really cares about reform. And in his instance, like I had my own business for a long time, and I sold insurance, yeah. and you worked with a lot of businesses and whatnot. And I remember I would sit down with people, and I say who I am if they were referred to me. And I'd say, and my brother is, but, but you tell him who your family is, okay? Oh, and, oh, I know, I know, Mark. And I say, do you want me to leave yeah. now? <laughs> no, 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 he saved my life. He saved my life because he let me, you know, he pushed for me to get. So, you know, look, there's a lot of good prosecutors yeah. out there. there. There really are. And then there's a lot of Absolutely. scum out there. There's a lot mm-hmm. of scum so yeah. you, you know it exists where it exists, and and when you do not have the oversight where the scum exists, then that oversight is the scum. You, you know because it would not be happening if it wasn't for the oversight not caring, turning their backs on it, you know not replying, not responding. And so, you know, and this is why people commit suicide. This is why, look, I can't tell you, you you know, there are people that commit suicide. They've lost everything. You know, they've lost Mm -hmm. their children through CPS. They've, you know, just, it's it's horrifying. Marty, you do, you know, your shows with the hospice. You you know, people's parents are stolen right from underneath them. They're stolen. They're kidnapped. Yes. You you know, Mm -hmm. this is... 
Well, and this is something that's going on across the country. We're seeing this culling occur. Hospice has been instrumental, but it's gone on in hospitals forever. They decide someone isn't worth the effort or the time, and they ought to be, they'd be better off dead, and they kill them. Um, we call it stealth euthanasia. Um, but they take them out. Guardianship exterminates thousands of elderly people every year, but they find themselves in the same position prisoners so do. Why is this happening? Damn. Right? So exactly. Now, why is this happening? What does it boil down to? Yeah. Is really, it boils down to follow the money. Oh, That's yes. what it boils down to. It's being sold. We're being bought, sold, and traded. And um, we are a product. The government refers to us as its most valuable product. And every bill that comes out that affects anybody goes first to the energy and uh, economy and you aren't energy so you must be an economic interest and then it is parceled out from there into sub subcommittees and this is why i keep telling people they're telling you point blank they're treating you as a commodity in prison Mm -hmm. you're treated as a commodity your chattel property, you are owned. You can be forced into labor. You can be all kinds of things, but you have no oh, rights. You have and, no and, rights. And you have suffered no, a civil no, death. You can't, no, well, yes, you can, even if it is not, constitution, not constitutional. As long mm-hmm. as you're doing it, guess what? They can. So that's illegal. Well, right. yeah, but does that stop them from doing it? You know what I yeah. mean? It's illegal well, to lift bubble gum. But about how many people, you know, kids lift bubble gum and, you, and you know, yeah. they get, you know, mom makes them bring them back in again. Hopefully they'll never do it again, right? But but I'm just saying, yeah. uh, how many will keep lifting the bubble gum and they never get caught? So, I mean, this is as, right. long, as, long, as, as long as nobody is holding somebody accountable um, at the very highest levels, you know, this will continue. And that's where, you know, the attorney general, you know, if they're, they, if they're not overseeing what's going on with, you know, the courts and the various agencies, and if the governor is not overseeing and not holding accountable what's going on with the Department of Corrections, and, you know, this is, I mean, listen, in Oklahoma, you know, we, we like, Marty, well, obviously you know this. We we just got so many feathers going, you know. We just really got things ruffled up that they started coming out with these commercials. This, like, right, Tina? Well, <laughs> these commercials that were like, oh, you know, you have an uh, an offender, you know, he's wearing his orange jumpsuit and he's smiling. He looks like he just had that perfect uh, haircut and his skin is glowing, and and it's like. We eat just fine. We've got plenty of food, and and you know, and the oh, place yeah. is sparkling clean. And no kidding, it's just like. And then, the, and then another one about all these programs. And this, I mean, we're talking about bold face lies. And one Absolutely. of the things that we're going to talk about with Stephanie tonight, and you know, again, you know, she said these things out of word, and what she did is confirm what we have been told quite often. And that mm-hmm. is about the black mold. Now, I have looked into this, this whole black mold, the claims. So if you're just complaining to black, about black mold and black mold itself, I mean, there's a lot of black mold all over these old Oklahoma prisons, okay? 
So when we were talking, we started talking about, you, you know, well, because she's sick now and uh, her partner is sick who's still in prison and she's trying to fight for her partner. And, you know, I'm like, you know what, Stephanie, the more people I talk to, the more people I hear, you know, go in healthy and if they come out at all, they're sick. And it has mm-hmm. to do with that environment. So now where this gets tricky, all right, it's not the black mold existing in itself because there's too many gray lines there, like what it can really cause and it could have been from something else or whatnot. But it is when somebody is sick, it's within a, a reasonable amount of uh, I, I'm not I didn't check in I'm just in the car so I don't really have everything pulled out that uh, the, with the proper language uh, that I should be using but if it is uh, to a degree where um, where they're not being treated and their situation is serious enough okay where they're actually being neglected it's not a little splinter it's not infected you know it's but when you know there's clear wheezing, you've made these attempts, you're not getting help. Um, then we are getting into, and then you know you've got that secondary thing with the black mold. Okay, say you know, then you ha- then you're really going to come into where you can stake a claim. Okay, and now this is even before the COVID. Now when somebody comes in and they do happen to have something like asthma, right or you know, COPD or whatever it is, and uh, then they're dealing with the black mold on top of it, and they're not giving any special treatment, okay, which they should have. They should have. They need to, you know, their situation, they need better air circulation, okay? They need more things happening there for for them because they're already at high risk. So, So then they're actually, people are dying. Now, on the outside, mm-hmm. we hear all about how many COVID cases there are, in my opinion. We are, oh, you know what? It's not the flu anymore. People are dying of COVID, not the flu. You know what I mean? It's being replaced, you know, because money, numbers, right? That's just my opinion. But, but do they want those COVID numbers out there coming from the prisons? Is that, re- is that reflecting accurately? No, ma'am. It is not reflecting accurately because what that does is it shows what a – Poor, poor job that they're doing. The prisons are overcrowded. They've got, they were overcrowded before they had COVID, and they're overcrowded now. And the cellmates, the, cell, the, the, the offenders, they're not getting any cleaning products in their cells. True. I get messages every day. I get pictures of dirty oh food trays. I get, I get pictures. I've got, I've got pictures of the fight that broke, that broke out, um, and there was a lockdown in the state of Oklahoma last week um and and you want to know why this stuff starts to happen because part of it i believe is because of how bad the conditions are the stress is so bad everybody's getting antsy you're not getting that outside time that exercise time they're you know they're they're locked up like wild animals right and and, and they're they're not getting their vitamin d they're 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 being you know, again, nobody's expecting, you know, fluffy slippers, bonbons, and back massages, okay? But they're in there to serve their time, to hopefully reform, come out, and be a productive member of society if that's in the cards for them, 
They're not in there to get beaten with sticks. They're not in there to be breathing black mold with with a fan that 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 you know having it blow right in their faces. Okay, twenty four and a half seven, twenty three and a half seven. You know, they're not in there to eat maggots. That's not their punishment. Right. That's not their punishment. No, they've already I mean, I guess judged they, and sentenced in court. Yes, that's not exactly, and and so when they're beaten down emotionally, not to mention physically, at the times when they are, when they're told the kinds of things that Stephanie shared with me, that you know, and her, her situation was good because she was able to get along with everybody well in her position in, in the prison. You know, she, you know, got her uh, beauty degree or whatever, so she would do haircuts. I mean, she'd have scissors, that, you know, and be cutting corrections officers' hair. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, but, so people treated her halfway decent compared to others. But when they're calling you horrific names, and they're supposed to call you by your last name, not your street name, not, excuse me, but not, well, I won't say those words. Um, yeah, I won't say that, say them. We're on a Christian radio station, P-O-S. and I don't even, not a swear, but I don't know P-O-S we know. Is a, is, a, is a common term. Convict, they don't, that's all disrespectful. We, when, when the name came about for FSOF, um, I wasn't part of it at that time yet. Jen and them, well, when we came from a group prior, actually, we didn't use the word, um, you know, like convict. We actually found out from the people that are incarcerated what what is not so offensive. Is it is it prisoner? Is it convict? Is it inmate? Is it offender? And that's why a lot of times you'll hear someone referred to as an incarcerated citizen or an offender. Um, rarely. Rarely, it's I know Jen and I. Rarely, with those two terms is what they yeah. told us. That's what they say here in Ohio. Yeah, but a lot hmm. of things I've seen they're called POS, you know, pieces of what I won't say. Oh, Christian, yeah, but and that's, yeah, and that's nothing. You know, they're called yeah, a lot, a lot worse. And if you're a female, um, and you know, and there's. Uh, yeah, my husband's been called worse, and it's been very degrading and heartbreaking to hear. But we'll just leave that one alone too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, you know so um, like one of the things that Stephanie was saying last night was you know you either are going to grow up and make it because she went she was in Mabel Bassett in Oklahoma. And that's pretty much an inmate-run facility, okay? Mm-hmm. And and she said, you're either going to make it yourself because you figured out how to survive in here and, you know, you grab everything good that you possibly can, or you're just going to figure out how to be more of a criminal so when you get out, you know? So it's like she's very, very uh, open uh, about that. Um, and, and it was like, she wasn't trying to say that it was okay that people were being treated that way because that's why she's talking. It's it's not okay. Um, right. And, but some people can stomach that more than others. 
you know, and it's not really up to a corrections officer or a, a, you know, or a warden or a nurse or to to decide whether I'm I'm going to demean this person today. Now, if somebody's out of line, they have every reason to restrain and, and to do what they have to do for the safety of themselves and for, you know, the other the other inmates. But when somebody's just basically just making a joke of you and you are their entertainment and they want to push your buttons, and this is, I mean, to say the least, okay? This is to say the least, okay? And what about the ones that are mentally ill and they're not getting their meds? I'm getting hmm. this message almost every day. Um, yeah. Also, somebody who's got a thyroid problem, her eyes are black and blue. Her ankles are super swollen. She has not seen, you know, she's got thyroid problem, hypothyroidism, really, really bad. Okay? Really, really bad. And they're not treating her. I mean, really bad. You know, like totally blown up. And, and there, she was supposed to be seen months ago. And, oh, well, it got postponed, postponed, postponed. This, these are the things I'm talking about. I'm not buying all of these excuses that have to do with COVID because the fact is this was happening before COVID. Right, Tina? It most definitely was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah, COVID seems to be the go-to word. Well, Mm -hmm. and even on a more serious note, um, Angie, this was before you came in to the other organization we were from, and this just goes to show you the seriousness of the negligence that really genuinely is happening. I dealt personally Mm -hmm. with a situation um, at Mansfield Correctional here in Ohio. Um, A gentleman was a psychiatric patient, and he had a break and obviously led to his incarceration. Um, He takes 1,200 milligrams of lithium every single day, He had been getting this as scheduled and directed by a doctor for the last three years. Once COVID hit, they were forcing this man to take 1,200 milligrams of lithium all at one time instead of 600 in the morning, 600 at night. Um, He told them that it was way too much for him. They told him it was way too much for or He kept telling the facility that it was too much for him to take at one time. It was making his condition worse. So they dropped it from 1,200 to 900. So they were only giving him 900 milligrams of medication a day when he was originally prescribed 12. Well, then they still were trying to give it to him at the exact same time every single day. Well, he talked to his um, his fiance and his sister, who was his power of attorney. Um, she had called the facility and fought for this for a really long time. She reached out to me. Her and I did several three-way calls together. Um, She listened to me talk to these people, and she got a big kick out of how stern I was and demanding Mm -hmm. for information. Um, But it got to the point to where he was in the midst of having another psychotic break due to the overdosing of his medication. So Mm -hmm. he was told medically by his sister, who his family doctor told him to not take that medicine. So because he went on a three-day, 72-hour med refusal that man set for the next 40 days with no medication. Ten days after his refusal, he had a psychotic break. They put him in an isolated room that they had for confinement 
for 15 of those 40 days with no clothes on and nothing to sleep on for that length of time because he refused to take medicine that a medical physician told him not to take. And when we later found out the reason for why they were doing that and then they cut his medicine back was supposedly the facility said that due to COVID, medication was being limited on distribution because they didn't know if the medical supplier was going to be able to get medication to the facility on time. So they were making changes and cuts to people's medication to accommodate the facility. This you don't do that with psychotics. You just don't do that. Well, they, you just, I know that for a fact they did. They did this to this man for four right. months. Oh, absolutely. And he literally I'm sure they had did. a mess. I'm sure they did. He was a mess. Yeah, I'm not disputing. Oh. And, and, this is, and this is just it. This is what is happening. This is, that's not a fluke. That is not, that's not the only circumstance. I wish it was. And then, you know, we'd all know about it and how awful did that, you know, abuse or that error or whatever it was took place. But the thing is, these stories are wide and far. These truths are wide and far. And there are offenders that are taking chances and they're reaching out in ways that they, they're not supposed to reach out to beg for help, to show the proof, to make their statements. So they're willing to do that because if they did it the, uh, another way that's actually going through the chain of command and they know that there's a complaint against, a certain corrections officer or against the warden or because the nurse isn't getting me myself, then you will be retaliated against, you know, and I, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, the, you know, the loved ones are calling in to check and they're worried and whatnot. And then the, the, uh, and then the, the one in the uh, offender is, is, is hearing, tell her to stop calling or tell him to stop calling and then they they wind up being punished. You know what I mean? So what's a loved one to do? I'm dealing with something like that now. I have a lady who reached out to me from another state. I won't name the state. Um, her husband is incarcerated, and uh, he. It's a long story, but the, the warden used to be his parole officer. So that's how small your your law enforcement world is, anyway. But now it's the warden, right. and. This warden does not like this this offender, and so this wife has been trying to write her husband, and every time she writes, he does not get a letter. It comes back to her. She gets a letter from him occasionally. This started before October. Um, so we encouraged her to send a letter where she could track it, not where they had to sign for it because they have very strict rules. Right. So she did. It was signed as refused and sent back to her. Now now they have intervened so much to where she cannot even have contact with her loved one. Um, and he, yeah, the only contact she has had have is... Yeah, this is for ages because of the lawsuit, uh, because yes. of the visitation restrictions, right? She received from her husband was about a week ago, and it said, please, I need you to stop. And that's because she was, she was making a lot of noise. She was being heard, and it... She was doing it the way that needs to be done, but they were retaliating. And and I don't want you to think that we're coming on saying that everyone's bad either, huh. because we know there are some amazing guards, uh, corrections officers, yeah. 
with some amazing mm-hmm. officers, amazing deputy wardens um, and wardens that, that want to speak out so badly. And we, we want them to know also that if they've got things to say, they can certainly contact us, and we don't care what state they're in. We we will never ever right. let their names out. Uh, well, you and know, that book that permission. I shared with you guys, the whistleblower book too. That's a step by step guide. There is a way to become a whistleblower where you will be protected. Yes. There is a way. Yes, so no, for anybody so, that's listening right now, that that has. Tina, we've had people come on air right here, haven't we? Tina, Marty, we've had people Mm. come on that have, you know, and and they're just like they're so glad that they can come on and tell their story, and it's been like, and it took them courage to to do that. Um, But the thing is, um, what we need to impress upon anybody who's listening right now that knows what's going on is wrong and it's against the constitutional rights and it's abusive. If you're working in in one of these facilities and you see this going on, you, well, you can, you can do the right thing. Right. You do, you can have protection and we understand you need to feed your family. We understand that you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, but you've got to look yourself in the mirror, and you can have protections. If you don't like what you're seeing, if you if you believe that what's happening is wrong, you don't have to be afraid, and you don't have to feel like a piece of garbage because you know what's going on every day, and right. you might not be a part of it. You don't need to loathe yourself, okay? What you can do is something very heroic. And, yes, you can reach out, you know, if you know if you know these ladies or if you know us, you know, just find a whistleblower attorney. You know, I know people. Uh, you need to find a whistleblower attorney. You need to, and you might need steps on how to find that person. You do not quit your job because you will actually, because if you quit the job and then you think you're going to be a whistleblower, Technically, that is not that whistleblower, okay? Right. You know, uh, that, so you will have protection. In other words, if you videotape something and you're not allowed to have a camera in, in the prison, but if you've got those protections as a whistleblower, it doesn't, the warden doesn't need to know it, okay? The warden doesn't need to know it. They're going to be there to protect you. And if you see money being siphoned, Okay, being misappropriated. If there's financial siphoning going on, then you yourself can be rewarded money. Because look at the money that you're going to save the state. Right. You know, so so it's just like you know, so there can be protection. So you can actually be a hero. You can live with yes. yourself. You can actually be a hero. You can help be a part of solving the problem rather being a part of the problem and just turning your back on it. So we just implore anybody who's been thinking about this, you know, to, again, um, you don't have to make decisions overnight. You can look into things and make decisions. Absolutely. It's, it's a really big deal because it's got to be hard 
to know this is going on if that's not who you are? You know what I mean? If that's not who you are, do you want to become that? Because you kind of are if you're turning your back on it and not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. I was just looking online, and it looks like Oklahoma has something for ombudsman for the corrections officers. I don't, yeah. Yes. I don't know if, if they're protected with the union there. We have The COs here have the union. Um, they also have an ombudsman for the corrections officers, but they don't have them for the offenders here in Ohio. We're like long-term care facilities, like Stephanie was talking about. They have ombudsmen there for the, the patient, um, but there's nothing for the offender here. I don't. It looks like Oklahoma may have may have access to an ombudsman. So it uh, might be on something. On the face only, I can guarantee you that. You know, it's people like us that are that. Yes. You know, You're right. it, it, it's on the face only, and and you know, and and. Uh, you know, if they're willing to come out with these, you know, fairly fun-looking, you know, oh, all these opportunities, I'm so happy to be in prison, you know, and they're doing right by me. <laughs> they're going to, yeah, and so, you know, we, yeah, I mean, we've done a really good job debunking some things, um, and, and we really are going to be, you know, with the stuff that we're putting together right now, as I know that you have, my word, Miss Erin Brockovich, you know, I'm zooming with her. Oh, hold on. So she gets her file. And, you know, and that's after she's already named off names and, and, and numbers. And, and it's kind of like, oh, my gosh. She's like a freaking unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. What a team you two are. What a team. Um, I, yeah. And I'm just, you know, it was like, yes. These are the people, these are the kinds of people, the ones that are front and center, that are doing that great time, that are, you know, organizing, managing this. And you know what? And it's not selfish. It's not selfish. You're not just looking you out for what your else? own you don't need You don't need a, uh, um, a college degree. You just need to have passion. You just need to know wrong is wrong. So if you are an Oklahoman, if you just are a voter, and you hear something that's not right, and you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a college professor, it doesn't matter. Anyone can be an advocate. You just have to have the passion, and you figure out what to do and how to get to where you need to go to help someone. And it's happening, just like it is where you guys are. But it's not, you know, what's going to be the big deal is when the big gavel really comes down, you know, the fist of righteousness, and 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 it's it's that's where united comes in to play. Yeah, you know, we've got people from other groups that have formed, you know, they've formed things, and guess what? They're sharing them with me and Tina. They're sharing them because they know what we're doing. They know yeah. where we're going with it. You know, they know the plan. And and that's just it. It's, it's not about this whole competition thing. It's like, look, you know what? You're no. good at that. You're good at that. It's like, let's go. Let's go. You know, we yes. have some people that are doing rallies, you know, and, the, and, you know, the little rallies in front of the prisons and stuff like that. It's like, yes, let's go. 
you know, and then we have the other people that are helping, you know, organize things from behind the scenes more and like you making the phone calls and it's just this work in progress and you don't yes, stop. And you there's always something for anybody to add to it, you know, whether it be communications, research, social media, um, you, you're on Facebook all day long, then you know a little bit about social media. It's great to help a, a, an organization. Um, they would love, us, anybody in Oklahoma, any state would love to have help with keeping their social media up to date or researching a certain laws or watching a case or bringing um, court watchers. up. Any, I mean, there's always a role for everyone to make a change. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's always a role, and you know how people fall into that. But again, you know this this is happening with with you know hospice. It's happening with hospice. It's happening with CPS. It's happening yeah. with DHS. It's happening in probate court. It's happening in family court. So how does that mm-hmm. all boil down to money? Well, you know what? How much time do you have? Yeah, I mean, I've advocated for each one of those. Who we elect, also, like our judges, our local judges. I'm sorry. Don't you think that it that dollar leads back to our our local, like our our voting, our local judges, our state prosecutors? We we vote those people in, and it's always those who have the money. So yeah, it comes down to the dollar. Um, if you voted in a judge that maybe didn't come from a rich family and didn't have a lot of money, he would be more understanding of the walks of life and how things can happen rather than the Kennedy that had everything on a silver spoon. So, again, as a, as a um, voter, you should know who is running, that you can make change, huge changes just by doing that, being educated with your 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 people that are running for positions. That's yeah, and you know, and where they come from, and and are they able to see everything as a whole, whether they have money or or not? Right. You know what I mean? It, really, it's whether they have money or not, because then you can get somebody that's just super greedy, and I, I've worked my way here. I'm going to get whatever I can. How how do some people yes, become wealthy? Suddenly, they're billionaires when they came in with you, you, you know with the uh, when their assets were no more than a couple hundred thousand, and then all of a sudden, yeah. y- you know, uh, right. they're in Congress uh, for how many years, and and all of a sudden they're you know living in castles. Right, and, and it's, it's someone said earlier too, it's not a party, it's not a Democrat, it's not a Republican, it's not a party. It's no, it's the person. You've got to call out the yes. person. You yes. really do. You have to call out the person. And in these instances, and I know we have our own feelings individually about, you know, who we want and why and whatnot, you, you know, and, you know, and that, that's different, okay? Right. But when it comes right. to the public corruption, I don't care what color you are. I don't care whether you're green, purple, red, blue. I don't care about any of that, whether you're a man or a woman or whatever you are. I don't care about anything other than you will act in the manner that you have been assigned to as a public servant. Respect me, I respect you. You stand for okay. me, 
I will stand by you, standing by the citizens that put you into place. Yes. You know, and it's yes. there's too many that start acting as though they're your boss. And that's uh-huh. just not the case. I can show respect and have respect for those that are worthy of it. And those people will respect you too yeah. if they're worthy of it. And anybody who's going to look down to somebody because of a socioeconomic status or because they think differently, they're not worthy of your respect. That's right. And the accountability, like you said, too, is is you as as the voter or you as a regular person with you've got $100 or millions of dollars, everybody has the right to pick up the phone and call your, your governor's office or, you know, the state prosecutor's office and, and find out what are you doing about how much money are you spending this year on prisons or make them accountable. There, there is the sunshine law, it's public records. You can just put in a request for just about anything you want to know. How much money do you spend on, on meals? for each facility for the last six months. You can ask anything just about of your government and get the information, and, and they have I to have be to, accountable. I have to shut this off. It's 9.30 uh, or 10.30 uh, uh, Central Time. It's supposed to yeah. shut down in 90 minutes, and I am so sorry, but we want to have you back on uh, because I know we have a lot more to talk about, and I'm just excited that we've got you on for this amount of time. Thank, thank you for you. calling thank in. You. Um, and I just don't want to get in trouble with Marty because there's extra charges um, to go over time here. So love you guys for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. Tina Gertz, thank you so much. I'm Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talk, Views and News. Tonight it was also where your voice is heard and your story is told. Please tune in on Tuesday because Marty and I are doing a special whistleblower show together. Tuesday at 7 o'clock Central um, on TS Radio Network and Stephen Brooks, 89.9 KLRB FM. Good night, all. God bless. Good night. Be God well. bless.